0: You're listening to Cued Up. I'm Ryan Levy. In November of 1978, San Francisco was in turmoil. It started with Jonestown, where Reverend Jim Jones ordered more than 900 people, most of them from the Bay Area, to commit suicide. And then, less than two weeks later, Diane Feinstein, then the president of the city's board of supervisors, made this announcement. Both Mayor Moscone and Supervisor Harvey
1: Milk have been shot. ...and killed, oh, the suspect is Supervisor Dan
2: White.
0: Mayor George Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk, one of the country's first openly gay elected officials, had been gunned down by former Supervisor Dan White. Now a U.S. Senator, Feinstein vividly recalls finding Milk's body.
1: Because I tried to get uh, a pulse in his wrist and put my finger in a bullet hole, and... Um, It was clear he was dead, and
0: that changed the world. KQED's Scott Schaefer looks back on that deadly day in 1978
2: and how it changed the city forever. George Moscone had been elected mayor three years earlier. It was a tough election, a narrow victory over a very conservative opponent who represented old San Francisco. On election night, Moscone celebrated with his supporters.
1: Victory tonight. It is the beginning of our campaign, the beginning of a very long road forward, the beginning of efforts to make San Francisco, as it once was, the absolute greatest city in the world.
2: Back then, the San Francisco we know today was just beginning to emerge. In a city government that had been dominated by wealthy white people, mostly men, many with ties to the business community, Moscone represented change. Art Agnos, who became mayor more than a decade later, says Moscone, who was also white, essentially gave the keys to the city to people who had previously been locked out. For the first time, neighborhood activists in large proportions were put on commissions by Mayor Moscone and that signaled a kind of new engagement by neighborhoods that we hadn't seen in San Francisco before. Among those who came to San Francisco at that time to celebrate their freedom was Cleve Jones.
1: Just the ability to walk down the street holding hands with one's partner was something
2: that was really impossible almost everywhere else in the world. Thousands of gay men and lesbians were flocking to the city, where homegrown singers like Sylvester created the soundtrack with songs like You Make Me Feel. Some of the newcomers were rejected by their families. Others just wanted a place to be themselves. And many gravitated to the city's Castro District, where a colorful neighborhood activist named Harvey Milk owned a camera store. I met up there recently with Cleve Jones. What was it like being in here when the camera store was here?
1: It's just a wonderful thing when one is allowed to participate in something that is brand new. And we all knew that what we were doing was brand new. Nobody had ever seen this before.
2: Harvey Milk was a New Yorker and former Republican who once worked on Wall Street. In San Francisco, his politics shifted to the left and the openly gay political activist quickly gained a following. Milk's rise coincided with a campaign across the country by singer Anita Bryant, who was also the spokeswoman for Florida Orange Juice. When she wasn't hawking O.J., Bryant was leading a movement called Save Our Children. She aimed to repeal anti-discrimination laws in Florida. It pushed people like Gwen Craig to get involved in Milk's campaign for gay rights. It was amazing
1: the number of people we had volunteering on his campaign and the number of people who saw him as the best hope for how we were going to succeed as a movement.
2: In November of 1977, shortly after Anita Bryant successfully got her anti-discrimination ordinance in Florida repealed, Harvey Milk won a seat on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. He was California's first openly gay elected official. Gwen Craig says on election night, There were a lot of tears.
1: People were so swept up because to them it meant not just Harvey's acceptance by the voters of San Francisco. You could see and people said to them it meant their acceptance by society.
2: Voters also elected the city's first Chinese-American and first African-American woman to the board. And with Moscone as mayor, it was a time of hope and excitement in the city's progressive community. But Moscone found his agenda stymied at the Board of Supervisors. The mayor believed some of his adversaries on the board thought he was politically weak. And it wasn't until, and it isn't until, I got very tough with the Board of Supervisors as a board
1: that we've gotten any results at all.
2: But the board's 6-5 to five conservative majority still prevented some of the changes Moscone wanted. Meanwhile, as conservatives were pushing back in San Francisco, a state senator named John Briggs campaigned for a California ballot measure, Prop 6, to ban gay and lesbian teachers. Harvey Milk led the fight against it, debating Briggs around the state.
1: And if in your statements here in all these newspapers and tonight that child molestation is not an issue, if it is not an issue, why do you put out literature that hammers at home? Why do you play on that myth and fear?
2: That November, voters overwhelmingly defeated the Briggs Initiative, but the celebration in San Francisco was short-lived. First, there was the Jonestown Massacre. Then, conservative supervisor Dan White suddenly resigned, then changed his mind and wanted to be reappointed by the mayor. After learning that Mayor Moscone would not reappoint him, White went into a rage and headed for City Hall with a loaded gun. Cleve Jones, then a student intern working with Supervisor Milk, was in the Castro neighborhood at the time.
1: And a bus pulled up, the 24 de Divisodero pulled up, and somebody yelled at me out the window that the mayor had been shot, George Moscone.
2: Jones raced back to City Hall to Harvey Milk's office. Went running up the stairs to find
1: Harvey and d- saw his body when I turned the corner. And uh, it was just, you know, horrifying. I'd never seen a dead person before.
2: Devastated, Jones organized a candlelight march that night from the Castro up Market Street.
1: I just thought it's all over now, Uh, but then the sun went down and people began to gather and they were gay and straight and young and old and black and brown and white and we marched to Civic Center and filled it with candlelight and I remember standing in that huge crowd and realizing that of course it wasn't over, it was in fact just beginning.
2: After Milk and Moscone were killed, every mayor who followed continued Moscone's efforts to make city government more diverse. In a new PBS documentary about Moscone's life, his son Jonathan describes his father's legacy this way.
0: My dad was the first one to open the door. He pushed the door open and he kept them open and they never closed. And I think that the flow uh, into and out of the halls of power changed so dramatically because of my dad.
2: Since Milk, the gay rights movement has scored political victories that would have been unimaginable four decades ago. Colorado recently elected the nation's first openly gay governor. And in California, a state senator is about to become the first openly gay candidate elected statewide. Today, Milk's seat on the board is occupied by another openly gay supervisor, Raphael Mandelman. He's hoping to build on Milk's legacy of progressive politics. As someone who was five years old when he was shot, I am continually grateful, not just for Harvey, but for the folks
0: of that generation who really did change the world. Thanks to KQD Scott Schaefer for that story. You know, I first learned about Harvey Milk from the 2008 film About Him starring Sean Penn. Brothers and sisters, you must come out! Come out to your parents! And as we looked back on these assassinations, I started to wonder how other young people, especially young queer people, view them. Do they know about them? Are they important in their lives? So I decided to go to City College of San Francisco to find out. Hi everyone! Brianna Bahar Hansen welcomes their students to Introduction to LGBT Studies, and introduces them to today's topic.
2: Carving up the
0: life and journey of one of the greatest visionaries in the LGBTQ community. And they're surprised when they find out that some in the class, like second year student Matthew Foley, know nothing about the gay San Francisco icon.
2: I haven't even heard of him before today, which I feel kind of bad about.
0: And most of the students who have heard of him have just seen the Sean Penn movie and really don't know much else. At least one student, third-year Miranda Labounty, is a little more familiar with Milk's legacy. I grew up kind of with Harvey Milk mentioned in the same sentence as Martin Luther King. But even she's pretty hazy on the specifics. And the fact it was so recent, I always assumed Milk was like 50, 60 years ago, and that it was only 40 years ago he was assassinated.
1: Jesus. Like, our parents, our
0: parents were... Alive and walking around during that time. Hearing the details of Milk and Moscone's assassinations for the first time, the students are especially disturbed by the fact that former San Francisco supervisor Dan White only served five years in prison for the killings. If Harvey Milk somehow killed Dan White and Moscone, he would be life in prison. But because it was a white, it's a straight man doing it. If it were a black guy or a trans or a trans person or, or... even just a woman.
1: Yeah. Like, that person would be institutionalized. Or still in jail to this
0: day. That last voice belongs to Michaela Kendrick, and she's touching on something that a lot of students brought up during the discussion — race and gender identity privilege, not just for Dan White, but for Harvey Milk, too. This idea of intersectionality — the way that a person's sexuality combines with their race and gender and socioeconomic status and other identities — is something that young queer people talk about a lot, and it impacts how they view someone like Milk. I do connect with him in some sense because he is a hero. And I will never sit there and say that he's not a hero because he literally died for us. But at the same time, he comes from a different background. And I don't think he, like, encapsulated everybody. LaShawn Purcell says he can connect with Milk because both of them are cisgender males. But for Purcell, who's black, That's where the similarities end. You know what I mean? There's a lot of other trans women of color that couldn't necessarily do what Harvey Milk did because of who he is. But even while they look critically at how Milk's privileges allowed him to do what he did, students like Michael Thomas still recognize the kind of impact Milk had.
2: If it wasn't for him, this class wouldn't have been able to even be in college. That's a fact.
0: After class, I asked Professor Brianna Bahar-Hansen why they thought the students, some of whom had never heard of Milk before, still seemed to feel a connection with him. Many people are living that experience where they're marginalized, they're vulnerable, they're they're not welcome within their spaces. Even here in San Francisco, there's been just some very heart-wrenching stories of not being accepted by families and really the issues that Harvey Milk talking about in the 70s still so apply to their lives today. And because those issues of oppression are still present for these young people, Harvey Milk and his legacy still matter to them, even if they only just learned about him. If you like Queued Up, go ahead and give us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's a great way to tell the world that you dig the show and it makes us very, very happy. I'm Ryan Levy. Have a good week.